All right, hey, welcome to Hit. This is Chris Chickenelli, and we're talking everything high-intensity tactics for growth. And today, we are going to be talking about a topic, understanding diversity, and how to embrace it for the business success. And today, I have an awesome guest, I have Mary Stagman, that is going to be here with us today talking. She's from the Chamber here in Cincinnati and talking today with us about inclusion. And also, as leaders, we need to embrace diversity, and she's going to give us advice on how to implement change in our business is to celebrate diversity and inclusion. Mary, thanks so much for joining us today on HIT. I'm so glad to be here, Chris. Well, give us a little bit of a background of kind of your work history, kind of what have you been doing, you know, yeah, so everybody on the cast knows. Well, so I, um, I was led to uh, inclusion work late in my career. I spent most of my career in public relations and marketing, um, and uh, 25 of those at the University of Cincinnati the last 10 as the chief marketing officer and the president's deputy to the community. So I had the wonderful opportunity to help reposition the university and make it a really first choice mm-hmm. school for you know the entire nation. And, um, and then to work deeply in the urban core to connect the university to what was going on and what needed to happen to build a strong economy here. And um, that's what actually brought me to the chamber. They asked me to come and run a regional initiative that was all about building a stronger Cincinnati. And as I got deeply into that, the issues around diversity and inclusion in our region really rose to the top of the list in importance. And so a couple of years ago, the chamber asked me to focus full time on this work to make sure that the chamber is an inclu- is as inclusive an organization as it possibly can be and to make sure that we're partnering with organizations throughout the region so that they are too and that we become a region that welcomes everyone. So we, when people listen and they, they hear about, you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, give us a little bit of background. You know, why is this integral in, in, in a community, in a business? Um, why is it something that people should be kind of, you know, more mindful around? Well, if we think about it from a regional level, um, and I think this is true of any region, but it's, I think we have particular challenges because of our place in the country. Okay. Um, as we think about our ability to attract and retain top talent, um, diversity of that mix is really important, mm-hmm. but even more important is building that inclusive community that allows everyone to reach their full potential. And so we we think about it as a competitive advantage. And then when you look at it at a business level, the, the business case for why we should have more diverse organizations and why they should be more inclusive has been made for a long time. So most of the people I work with say, if you wanna know more about it, Google it, because yeah. you can find thousands of articles that really walk you through why this matters. But the short story is that we have plenty of evidence now to tell us that diverse organizations that are also inclusive and they must go hand in hand, that those organizations have greater innovation, greater productivity, and ultimately better bottom lines. Yeah. You know, I sat through I sat through something with the uh, CEO of Procter and Gamble. You know, oh, yeah. and and we were talking about there was a bunch of CEOs. We all got together, and we were talking about inclusion, talking about making sure that we were focused on diversity in our workplaces. Right. Um, and and we so we here Puremans, you know, that is one of our big you know uh, initiatives as well. Um, you know, people want to see them themselves when they come to work. They want to be able to be surrounded with different different types of folks that are going to be able to bring different uh, viewpoints. Absolutely. And I and I totally. 
truly believe that there's yeah. way more creativeness. I believe that there's way more openness uh, when when you're able to let people feel safe at the workplace, number one. Um, and and um, a lot of listeners that listen to this know that, you know, uh, of course, I have a transgender daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, inclusion is very, very important, you know, as well. Um, uh, number one, for safety. Number one, to make sure that, you know, everybody, you know, hire the best people for the job. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think that's something that I, I'm seeing that it's important. Other leaders, though, you know, we had the 30 some odd CEOs in town that were there. Why is this important for all businesses to kind of embrace this movement? Even a, even a company, they were like, well, should I, you know, like, it's hard for me. I'm in the Loveland Park over here, or I'm in Mason, and I got a small business. And How I do can't I, find the right people. Yeah, I can't find and, the right yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I want to go back for just a second, because I think yeah. it's important for us to um, have a sort of shared definition of what we're talking about. Yeah. And um, when we think about diversity, um, we, uh, because we're a chamber and because we're business facing, we think about this through the business lens all the time. Yeah. Uh, but we define diversity very broadly. So um, it, we have a tendency sometimes here and in, in other communities to reduce that equation to simply matters of race, for yeah. instance, mm-hmm. um, or, or, or gender. Yep. And so we define it very broadly. And so when we think about diversity, we think about including people, including marginalized populations, um, like people with disabilities um, yeah. who have long been left out of the workforce. Um, there are challenges for veterans are coming back in the workforce, for returning citizens. Um, we want to be sure that we're embracing the LGBTQ community and so on. So we define, and, and immigrants are a whole nother opportunity for yeah. us when we think about diversity. So we define it very broadly. Um, it also includes differences in learning styles and thinking styles, and you know you want as many good brains in the room as possible. But when we get to inclusion, we think of inclusion as leveraging all those differences to create value. Mm-hmm. And depending upon what kind of an organization you are, that value could be monetary, yep. or that value could be social. social. It could be a lot of different things. So there's a there's a moral case to be made for this, but there's certainly the business case to be made as well. Yeah. And go, go ahead. ahead. No, and how do you? And how does one? How, how how does this message though get to the 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 smaller business owners that say they can't find anybody or there there's nobody out there to work or how, how how do you how do you spread that message from the core? I mean, you're you're downtown Cincinnati. Yeah, okay, you're, right. you 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 did a, by the way, fantastic job at University of Cincinnati. I think what you've done there and what the the what has been created is world class. And then you go to the urban core here in, into Cincinnati, and you know we still as CEOs, everybody says they're having trouble finding good employees we're having right. you know a right. big hard issue right. but then i asked my friends that have businesses that are in mason right. or businesses that are yeah. in milford yeah. and they're saying they're having the same thing so it's an evolutionary process mm-hmm. right and it and but i think it starts we would say that all of this work starts with intention mm-hmm. and um and and that's that's all caps, right? Um, you have to really get up every day. You have to, first of all, understand the issues around diversity and inclusion, why they matter, and, and understand your own experience and understand your own biases and how they may be getting in the way of you finding yeah. that pipeline of people. You may have to get creative about what the pipeline looks like and where you know what are the pools that you're fishing from. So I yeah. mentioned a couple of under-leveraged populations already. Yeah. Um, and when we think about returning citizens and, and employers who want people to check the box if they've ever been convicted of a felony, we know that that is a deterrent to people getting jobs. And yet these are individuals who have paid their debt, 
and who could be incredible employees. And if an employer can open their their head and their mind to the idea that maybe there's something to be gained from mm-hmm. this, there's an opportunity there. But sometimes it's not the employer. It's the employees that are the ones that sometimes, you know, have the issue with it. It's like the employer could be, hey, listen, I want to I want to open up and I want to be diverse and I want to I want to give people second chances. But how do you get your employees to go? Wow. I I mean, that person, you know, because they'll find out. Well, so you're speaking. Yeah. Yeah, so you're speaking to culture there. Yeah. So so when Good. we talk I'm, about okay. when we talk about the the need for diversity doesn't work by itself you have to be inclusive as well. So going back to where you were a moment ago, Chris, it's this idea of bringing your whole self to work. Yeah. And, and people don't want to check their identities yeah. at the door anymore. Um, they, they were bringing conversations that were in the past solely happening on the street or at home yeah. into the workplace. You know, nationally, there's been a conversation among CEOs like David Taylor, yeah. who you've already mentioned, um, to uh, recognize the very deep issues we have around racial equity in this, in this country. And they're starting to have conversations within their walls with their employees of color about the long-term effects on them of the disparities that exist. And so as you start to have those conversations, if you were an employer who decided to hire a returning citizen, or you were an employer who brought in your first person with a developmental disability, or if you were um, EY, mm-hmm. and you built a whole section on your Chicago office for people on the autism spectrum, yep. you can't expect them to be successful if you don't prepare, prepare the existing culture and the employees who are already there to receive those new folks and to make sure that they feel welcome. Yeah. So if you are a small business and you hire your first African-American, you cannot expect them to necessarily just assimilate into your existing culture you may need to make some modifications in the culture to make sure they feel welcome. Sometimes it's as simple as recognizing in a meeting that you haven't heard from someone mm-hmm. and making sure that everybody gets heard. You know, before we started recording, you mentioned gender. Yeah. And of course, for women, all too often, their lack of success or their perceived lack of success comes from the fact that they don't get heard and their voices are left out of the equation. Big time. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that we do here at Pure Romance is that, you know, we don't believe in glass ceiling. We believe in, you know, I, I, I've championed women business owners for, Absolutely. you know, for 19 years yeah. I've been here at Pure Romance yeah. and I agree and I'm so glad you said that because yeah. that's, also something that we have to be aware of. I think sometimes you're right. So many people, when they say diversity and inclusion, they think so much about you know race or color. They don't think about gender. It's one of the things that gets left out so often and so frequently. So, um, but it is something that you know, as as businesses and as companies, um, people. I think that most people, when I talk to them, mm-hmm. they're like, "How does? How do I? You know, implement? How do I? I want. I want to change the culture of my organization. I want to get the best people. I want to be inclusive." of, you know, I want to make changes because staying status quo and, and you're right, the conversations that are coming in today in the workplace, you know, before it was like, don't bring your personal life it into the office. It's coming and we can't stop it as CEOs. You can't stop it as business owners. You can't stop it as communities. I mean, cause it's, it's becoming all in, encompassing. There's not a business life and a personal life anymore. It's 
your life yeah all if we the time. expect people to essentially be on call 24 7 then we can't expect them to check what's going Thank on you. in their lives in the door just yesterday i i um spoke in an event for our um uh, trauma center locally that deals with women who um have been uh, abused been uh, victims or survivors of, of um, gender-based violence and we talked about that we talked about we can't expect those women to check their trauma at the door and if we're if we're good employers we will start to understand the signs of someone who is in in uh, a difficult position and be ready to do something about it yeah but I think, but here, here's the thing. Nobody wants to have those uncomfortable conversations, right? They're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle that at the workplace. I, I need them to stay focused on getting the, the, the productivity yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Right. I need profits right. up. But what right. they don't understand is if that person's mindset is not in the business and they're, they're you know, if they're in an abusive relationship or if they're in something going on in their life, like, well, and in that, just just to yeah. put a, put a fine yeah. point on it, the the lack, the the drop in productivity and the attrition rates and all the things that go with that, just with that one particular issue, gender based violence, yeah. we know that nationwide the cost of that every year are more than eight billion dollars. And 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 if you think about low wage workers, which is a whole you know maybe a broader group of of individuals. Um, there's so much attrition in businesses and so much turnover and sometimes people don't think about what might be causing that so they just say somebody was late for work three times in the last yep. month mm -hmm. and they're out the door as opposed to saying well the reason they're late for work is because they're the sole provider for their children mm -hmm. and the kid was sick or you know school was canceled or something else happened or they have unreliable transportation or some other issue that uh, an employer could say not my problem yep. except that what we've discovered is there are often very simple solutions that can make all the difference and and increase retention and and reduce attrition and save businesses all kinds of money by making small investments i'll give you a very specific mm -hmm. example the cincinnati zoo which relies heavily on seasonal employees a lot of hourly employees particularly when you know people are coming when in the nicer weather when the zoo is at full bore yeah. and then again at the holidays um and they had for many years a policy of giving providing bus passes or excuse me reimbursing employees for a bus pass to get to work well, the challenge was they weren't seeing much usage and they wondered why. So their HR director started walking around and talking to the hourly employees. And what he discovered was something that many organizations now know, which is that if you are on a limited income, having the, I think it's about $70 now, having $70 at the start of the month to buy that bus pass is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So people end up doing it day by day, spending more, and then by the end of the month, they're having to get creative about how they get to and from work. Oh, yeah. So they did the simplest thing in the world. They said, the bus passes are in the office. They'll be there at the end of the month for you to pick them up for next month. Just come and get one. Their usage rate skyrocketed. They now put it in all of their employment ads that you get a, a zone one bus pass, and I think maybe they're doing zone two now too. So not only are they making it easier for those folks to get to work on a reliable basis, but they can get to doctor's appointments in the grocery store and to visit you know, parents and other things on the weekends and do all kinds of things. So that is a retention strategy that's really, really powerful.
You know, it's so funny, and I think it goes into the culture strategy, mm-hmm. which is really important because a lot of times what you do as a CEO, and I'll just speak from from my level, right, is, you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get uh, somebody that's being late three or four times, mm-hmm. and then it's like a, it's like a, a, the piranhas. They see, you know, other call center reps, you know, they'll see, why is Cindy always late? And, mm-hmm. you know, she's not here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then it is. It is a cultural thing. So we do have to see as as. Uh, leaders and business owners, we have to instill that, you know, everybody's going to have different situations. Things are going to come arise. And how do we work and not think that everybody has got to be having the same, having the same um, uh, treatment or whatever. I feel like that's... Well, and I think, so you're hitting on a bunch of stuff there, Chris. So first of all, it it really, it has to come from leadership first. Mm -hmm. That goes back to that intentionality. And, And the intentionality isn't just you know, I, I want to do the right thing. Yeah. You you really have to learn. You really have to take time to understand the dynamics of, of ch- really go, setting about changing the composition of your workforce, right? And, mm-hmm. and the nature of your organization. And that requires a plan. And it also requires accountability. And mm-hmm. so at, in, at, within the chamber, we have a plan for inclusion and we work it all the time but we also have built accountability in with every one of our employees so every year everyone on the team has an inclusion goal that has to relate to the plan has to be achievable in the year and has to be measurable at the end of it we provide a continuous stream of learning opportunities for our employees so that as do of course many of the great companies in this region so that people are constantly sort of upping their game and understanding better the complexities of bridging difference in the workplace and then your what you touched on without actually saying the word when you thought about what that a single employee might need that's different than what somebody else needs is an emerging concept in this work which is a concept of equity and if you visualize um, a, a ballpark with a fence and you see three people of varying heights the first one tall enough to look over the fence and see the what's happening at the ball game the yep. second one standing on maybe one milk crate yep. in order to see over the fence and the third sitting and standing on three milk crates in order to see over the fence that's that's a, a visual representation of what we mean by equity so we give to each person what he or she needs or they need in order to be successful and if someone's coming from a position of historic disparities for instance then we may need to provide more support to that individual in order to help them be successful if there's someone on the autism spectrum we may need for the people around them to adapt their work styles in order to help that person be successful and be sensitive to the way they need to work in order to succeed. So how does a company, how, how does a company, you know, small business, large business, how do, how do we get into to, to figuring out what each employee needs to to be successful in their job? Is that through the interview process? Is that through, you know, sitting down with each of the employees? How would you, how would you recommend that? Oh, that, that's, that, a, that's, a, that's like a really broad question. I know. And, and I think we could, we could spend, you know, weeks on that, I think, but there, I, I think it's important for people to listen a yeah. lot, right? So I'll start where you ended, which is um, sitting down. I think that a lot of the the progress that's been made, even in big corporations in the last few years, has been because people walk around and listen. Mm-hmm. So when Fifth Third Bank wanted to know why they were losing women who were coming back after their the birth of a child and they were and, and the first year is so critical and they were 
disappearing, they listened and they listened to the challenges that they were facing and they figured out that they needed more support in that first year after mm -hmm. that child was born. And they created a maternity concierge to support those women. 25% increase in retention in the first year of the program. Wow. At PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, who, where Tim Ryan and, and David Taylor from P&G mm -hmm. and others came together to talk about race in, 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 the corp, in corporate America, you know, he spent an enormous amount of time listening to his employees of color about their lived experience and about their experience within the corporation within the organization to understand what was working for them and what was not working for them. But listening isn't enough, then yeah. you've got to execute on that, right? You've got to understand the insights that you gain, just like you were doing it with yes. consumers, mm -hmm. you know, to build your business. Yep. And you've got to understand what, what those insights are and then figure out what are appropriate solutions. Yep. And I think at a small business level, it's it's you don't have as many supports, but that's where organizations like Chambers come in because yep. the majority 80% of our members have fewer than 50 employees. Wow. So we offer literally hundreds of programs every year, <coughs> and while they're not all focused on issues of diversity and inclusion, I would tell you that those topics are woven into practically everything we do today. Yes. But we also have specific support for instance, right now I'm running um, a, a scaled-up version of a, something we prototyped over the last couple of years, a program in cultural competence. It goes back to what we were saying about how do we build a culture that embraces everyone. Yep. So we prototyped it with 27 people twice to see if it worked, knew we could move the needle, and now we have 100 people in the program, and they will go back to their respective employers with a set of skills that they can use to bridge difference. And how often when you're working with small businesses to get the the leadership immersed in this process mm -hmm. and pro is, is, mm -hmm. is important or having the owner, because I hear so many people just pass these things off to an HR person or they pass them off to kind of a, uh, you know, it could be, hey, you're chief of staff. But if the, if, the, if, yeah. if the owner or the CEO or whatever is not embracing this culture shift and pushes it over here, how, how does that work out for an organization? Well, and I think in the long run, it makes them fundamentally much less competitive. Yep. I mean, that's that's the sort of the bottom line on it. Um, I would say that I have seen individuals um, in what I think people who I think sit at the middle of the table or in the middle of an organization um, actually start the ball rolling uh, on this topic in an organization when leadership maybe isn't quite there yet. Yep. Um, that takes bravery, you know, it takes a yep. kind of courage to do that. But I, there are organizations where I've seen that happen and I, I, I would never tell someone that they shouldn't try to introduce some of these topics and some of these issues and to say, you know, if we try, could we try something, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but fundamentally you want leadership to embrace it. And, and I think that um, it's really important for leaders, so entrepreneurs in particular and small business people are so busy and they always feel so overwhelmed, right? So, you know, you have to think about what are the benefits you're gonna get from doing this. So at a very, you know, tactical level, first of all, you're gonna get better decision making. Mm -hmm. If there's a, a more diverse group of people around that table, then there's not gonna be a blind spot that you're missing because you don't have that voice. You yeah. don't have the voice of that potential customer in the room. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about developing new markets, you're gonna be more successful at that if you have a person who has that cultural lens in the room and not outside the organization. Yep. And you have to come back to this idea of intentionality and you have to really think about it in a very sort of 
planful way to say how are, you're not going to do it all overnight it's not you know you're not going to just snap your fingers and all of a sudden the organization is going to look like a rainbow you know yep. but but you do it one one foot in front of the other um but but also i think it's important for people to think about how to do it in ways that that um make it possible for people to succeed so it's not about bringing in the only this or the yep. only that it's really about i mean for instance my old employer you see um realized in order to get more faculty who had cultural backgrounds different from the longtime faculty they needed to hire them in groups so that they had an instant support network. Ooh, I like that. That's really, yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's interesting because you're, you, you've said so many great things today. And, and as far as even I've been taking notes myself, because, you know, when you think about change inside of your organization, mm-hmm. and you're, you, I think you said that perfectly mm-hmm. intentional, right? You have mm-hmm. to be intentional. You have to make mm-hmm. sure. Um, we, we, I've, I've, you know, building a company from a million to $250 million, you know, our, our whole thought process was, you know, we're committing to the process. The process is the most important piece. Yeah. Most people want to have this change. They say, I want to be diverse. I want to have all this inclusion in my yeah. organization. Yeah. And that's the outcome. The outcome's here. The process is the thing I see too many companies break down. They break down because it's too hard. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to go through these pieces to make change inside your organization. And I tell everybody all the time, the processes are going to make you the successful group, the successful organization. You're going to push through those uncomfortable conversations conversations to have a comfortable lifestyle with your team with your family with whoever it might be right well and you you and I are tracking on exactly the same thing because it occurred to me that we hadn't talked about the fact that we didn't say this work was easy no no and we didn't say that it can happen overnight yeah um I always say that my work requires a great deal of patience, mm-hmm. which I don't have in abundance, so I have to practice it all the time. <laughs> uh, hey, um, you know, Mary and, and I found more yeah, in common yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, but it also requires a high tolerance for ambiguity. Yeah. And by that, I mean that um, when you start this work um, and you start to move a culture in a new direction and you introduce new you know, aspects to your organization and particularly people who come with very different orientations to the, to the world, um, it can be really challenging. Yeah. And you have those uncomfortable conversations. I mean, I have had colleagues in big corporations tell me that when they first started doing this work and really started to think about themselves differently, that they're, the sessions where they were trying to train people and help them to understand things like implicit bias were explosive. Mm-hmm. One organization told me they were so difficult that they curtailed the training. Now, that's not an outcome we're looking for. Yeah. But I think that leaders have to recognize that you're going to have to lean into discomfort. Yes. And you're also going to have to, as a leader, signal that you are okay with that discomfort mm-hmm. and with the vulnerability that it creates for you and others in the organization. Because you know, as you pointed out, that to that bottom line or that outcome, the getting there isn't going to be easy. But when you do get there, it's going to be worth it. 100%. I can tell you, Mary, that I'm going to leave you on one story because I thought this was kind of important. And and I think about when I, one story I think is the most important story to my life mm-hmm. um, is inside of diversity and inclusion is watching my mother being a, a, a female business owner. Oh my gosh, um, yes. You know, in, in, in a category of products that were at sometimes maybe a little bit taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wasn't looking at it from that lens. She was looking at it from a lens of going out there and giving people yeah. a way to keep 
their marriage together to keep communication open right. and and she just got inducted to the to the Hall of Fame the other day which was kind of a big you know three That's women getting in, uh, yeah. inducted to the Business Hall of Fame and I'm sitting here thinking you know I am so enamored by seeing more and more women business owners, you know, breaking glass ceiling, doing the different things that they're doing here. And there's still way more work to be done. You look at Brittany Ruby at Ruby's, right? You know, CEO, right. you look at um, uh, Molly um, at, uh, at, at Nyer. Yeah, yeah, she's I'm fantastic. You look at Sarah at LPK, you look at some of these up and coming leaders that we have and it's, um, we, we need more of that. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I love to see it. I, 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 I being a child and watching my mother go through that um, as you know people her last comment was uh, the business community finally looked at us as a real business and uh, finally accepted her and I, I think we're making strides and that's the most important thing. yeah and we'd like to arrive at a time when um, a woman at the helm would wouldn't there wouldn't be questions about no it. it would just be part of the water my mom yeah. always says you know um, you see a man and he might be not the nicest person and but he's successful but a woman that might not be you know like what knows exactly what they want she's a bitch and patty always said that you know what i am i i I hate the double standard. And you know, we've worked so hard with 30,000 women to give them the ability to own a business and operate that business. So, you know, what you're doing for the chamber, what you're doing for Cincinnati, what you're doing for the region, what you do for for Cincinnati, we truly appreciate the the work. Um, we'd love to bring you back on the show if you're if you'd be uh, amenable to that. Happy to come back anytime. We yeah. can get into like a lot more. I think okay. Mary, I yeah. think you and I are a lot on the same wavelength yeah. on on yeah. some stuff. So, um, if they want to find more information, you know, uh, on the chamber, especially we have a lot of Cincinnati any businesses that listen to this as well um, you know what would you where would you tell them to go well it, it, they, they can certainly call me anytime um, yeah. and uh, but they can find a great deal of information at CincinnatiChamber.com and they can also find because we uh, like you have a podcast yep. um, on if they put podcast into our search engine on our website they'll find the inclusive chamber podcast which is full of best practices from companies and organizations throughout our region about how to do this well i love to listen to podcasts so i'm gonna to have to uh, listen to that one so uh, i want to tell you thank you so much for being here and always thank you to all the listeners out there rate review and subscribe we love hearing from you thanks so much for being here today mary we my appreciate pleasure it. remember you've always had the pen to create that new chapter live life by design not by default have a great day everyone